0: This program was paid for by the friends and partners of Bruce Downs Catholic Ministries. If you listen to me, you will have heard me speak about on numerous occasions being an impactor. Well, what's an impactor? An impactor is someone who has impact upon the world and upon others. We're living in a time in history when we look at the church and we look at people's belief in God and we see many people stopping going to church, we see many people falling into that category of not being sure about God and many people falling into a place where we're saying, yeah, I'm, I, I don't believe in God any, anymore. And uh, when we talk about sharing faith for those of us who have faith... We talk about it. For many people, we stop and we think to ourselves, well, that's the job of a priest. It's the job of a nun. It's the job of a brother. If you're in the Catholic world, if you're in the Protestant world and in other Christian denominations, people say, well, it's the job of a pastor. It's the job of a ministry worker, that what they do is share faith. And the vast majority of people, people who we might call lay people, who aren't those people, people like me, someone who's married or someone who's a single person or someone who's a widow or a widower, Um, a single person, a lay person, many of us, we stop and say, it's not our job because it's their job. It's not our job to share faith. I've often talked about my my father. He would say that. He would say, it's not my job because I'm not qualified. And I'm also, I'm not someone who would be able to answer people's questions. And besides that, I'm not someone who, who, who people should really be listening to because if you knew me, if you knew me. Well, the truth is, that's actually wrong thinking. Even though I think I could prove, and I think we could prove, that probably the majority of people feel that way. People who turn up to church every week, they go, they listen, they believe, but they stop and say to themselves, when it comes to me, I can't share faith. For all of us here, we can stop and we can even say that, well, it's really the people who are the ministry people here. They're the ones who share faith. If we read the Scriptures, if we listen to the teaching of the church, one of the things that it says is that it's not just the responsibility of priests, brothers, nuns. It's not just the responsibility of pastors and ministry workers to share the Gospel. It's that all of us have a responsibility to share faith. All of us have a role to play. It's just that we do it slightly Differently, In the Vatican II documents, uh, when the church got together, the leadership of the church got together, it said this about all of us having a different role. It said this, in the church, there is a diversity of ministry, but unity of mission. In the church, there's a diversity of ministry, but there is a unity of mission. And we see this in all kinds of things. We see it in business, don't we? You can have your management. You can have your sales department. You can have your distribution department. You can have your marketing department. You can have your technical department. All of them are about the one mission of whatever that business is about, uh, but they all do slightly differently. Here in the ministry, where we are right now, in in the business side of what we do, I might do a lot of the speaking here but then we've got people who are camera people. We've got people who are editors. We've got someone who oversees all of the operational part of the ministry. We've got people who do the, does the editing. We have people who do the distribution. We have people that pastorally care for people. We've got people who pay the bills. All of us do different jobs, but we're about the one mission. And it's the same for us, the church teaches us, when it comes to sharing faith. We all have different jobs in the church, but we're all about the one thing and and for lay people, we, our role and our ministry and our mission is the same as anybody else, it's just the same. Um, if anything, the job of lay people is critical to the gospel being shared in the world. Uh, it, it's critical. Um, now, as I say, many people don't feel qualified and many people don't feel qualified for this reason. I've heard so many people say to me, but if you knew me, if you thought about what I think about, if you, if you know some of the things I do that aren't, aren't that good, if, if, you, if you see the fact that I don't measure up and so many people feel that they don't measure up and so they go, well, you know, it's not my responsibility, therefore I'll, I'll leave it to someone else. Um, but the church tells us that the role of lay people, that is people like you and me, the role of, is to give witness to and transform people's, people's lives and the places where we are by our life, by our life, by our life. In other words, it's the witness of our life, it's God in us that causes us to be an impact, to be an impactor, to have impact in the places where we are. Let's again go to Vatican II. It says this. The characteristic of the lay state is being, is being a life led in the midst of the world and secular affairs. Lay people are called by God to make of their apostle that is bringing people to Jesus, through the vigour of their Christian spirit, a leaven in the world. Now, what does all of that says? What it says the church is saying it's in, the, it's in your job, it's in your family, it's in the places where you are in the community, that it's there that you are called to be an evangelist, someone who witnesses to Christ. It isn't saying that you're someone who gets a soapbox and stands on it and preaches. It isn't, it isn't saying that you hold yourself up and say that you are perfect. No, 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 what it's saying is that because Christ is within you, that your life, that your life can be a witness. Now we'll deal with the issue, we'll deal with the issue in a second of not feeling worthy, not feeling that if people knew me. Uh, We'll deal with that in a second. It goes on and it says this, it says, while meeting their human obligations in the ordinary conditions of life, while meeting their human obligations in the ordinary conditions of life, Lay people do not separate their union with Christ from their ordinary life, but through the very performance of their tasks, which are God's will for them, actually promote the growth of union with Him. Now, what does that say? Look at it again. Look at it again. While meeting their human obligations in the ordinary conditions of life, lay people have responsibilities. If you're a mum or a dad, you've got a responsibility. If you're working for a company in some way, you have a responsibility. If you own a business, you have a responsibility. If you're a student, you have a responsibility. You've got responsibility and you've got to do those things. God made you, placed you, put you there. So while meeting their human obligations, look at it again, in the ordinary conditions of life, the everyday things, lay, lay people do not separate their union with Christ from their ordinary life, what's it saying is: lay people who are doing all these things don't say, "Well, here's my church life and here's my everyday life." They don't say, "Well, uh, you know, I do the God stuff on Sundays and I do everything else on the other days." No, no, no. What they're saying is that every day, that Christ and our everyday life are together. That it's always the same. It's never separate. It doesn't matter whether you're catching a bus, whether you're sitting at a desk, whether you're making something with your hands, whether you're reading a book. It's always the same, that the power of God and your ordinary life, the conditions of your ordinary life, you're always doing it, whether you're changing a nappy, whether you're, whether you're in a deep conversation with someone, Christ and your everyday life is the same. It doesn't matter if you're doing the shopping for all the groceries. It doesn't matter whether you're mowing the lawn, if that's something that you do. Christ and those everyday things are always connected. There's no such thing as I just have the God stuff on Sunday and I have everything else on other days. No, no, it isn't so that. It goes on, one more, one one more. It goes on and it says, lay people have countless opportunities for exercising the ministry, the apostolate. And what's the apostolate? Sharing Jesus with others. Lay people have countless opportunities for exercising the ministry of evangelization that's sharing faith, and sanctification, helping people become who God calls them to be, helping people become holy. The very witness of a Christian life and good works done in in a supernatural spirit are effective in drawing people to faith... To the faith and to God, and it is what the Lord has said: Let your light shine so brightly before men that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. What is meant to shine about us is our life. It's our life. It's the way in the in the midst of doing the everyday things that Christ impacts us. It's the kind of man, kind of woman that we are in the everyday things of life. Now. Sometimes we fall into the trap of thinking to ourselves, well, the whole world should be Christian. The whole world should have the values of being a Christian. But as Pope Francis has said, why would people who don't believe in God live according to the values of the church and the kingdom of God? Why would they? Why would people in the world have the same views around morality and around ethics, as Christian people have who have encountered God. Why do we expect that? When Jesus walked on the earth, not everybody became a Christ follower. Not everybody believed. Many rejected Jesus. And what did Jesus say? He said, be a light on the hill. Be a light in the community. And that's what all of us are called to be in our places of work, in the places where we study, in our families, we're called to be a light on the hill. Because when not everyone's going to come to Christ. Not everyone's going to yield for whatever their reason, their belief uh, to God. It's why Jesus so often went into the house of sinners. It's why Jesus preached so much. He was in the midst of everyday ordinary people, even people who rejected him. And sometimes we fall into the trap of expecting the whole world to live by the values of, of, being, of the Christian values when the world in many places, does not believe. No, no, no. You're in my responsibility. What we hear in impact, what we as impactors are trying to do, and should be doing, because it's what every Christian person should be doing, is we're called to be a light, and the light is saying, "Look at me." Now we come back to it, everybody says, "Well, I don't, I, I don't feel. I don't feel that people should look at my life. I haven't got it all together. I haven't got it all together." I'll get to that. Many people say, um, I don't know enough. Many people say, (laughs) as I say, you don't know my life. There are things I do. There are things that are not right. But this is where we need God in our life. This is where we need to be transformed in our life by who God calls us to be. This is where we need to be changed. See, we miss what it said in that passage have a look at it again. It says, lay people have countless opportunities for exercising the ministry, the apostle of sharing faith, of evangelization, bringing people to God, and of sanctification, helping people live according to God's ways. The very witness of a Christian life and good works done in a supernatural spirit are effective in drawing people to faith and God. How is it meant to be done? It's meant to be done with a supernatural spirit. That something beyond us is meant to happen in us. That for us to be an impactor, to impact the world, it isn't just by our effort. It's not the white knuckle club, I'm going to be good, I'm going to be good, I'm going to be good. But rather it is that we have been transformed by a supernatural spirit of God, that, God, that we have encountered God in our life. And, 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 and when we haven't encountered God in our life, it becomes our effort. When we become someone who just turns up to church all the time and we believe, it's good, but the reality is we're meant to take that and allow ourselves to be changed, allow ourselves to be, to be uh, transformed. Um, many people don't feel they're good enough because they're trying all by themselves. Many people don't feel that, they, that, that they, they can do it because they're trying all by themselves. And we're not meant to. We're meant to allow God to do it in our lives. My, my father, before I was born, migrated to Australia. Uh, my father was English. And uh, when he turned up here, uh, he, was, he was always a very sporty person. And uh, like, like many women and men, he loved sport and he loved to watch sport. And, and my dad would have watched anything that was competitive. If it was two cockroaches racing, he would have been there having a look if it needed to be. But it was just sport. And in Australia, they play Australian rules football, their brand of football. It's a, it's a, it's a physical, contact, fast sport. And, uh, and, and my dad, well, in time, he got a team. In time, uh, you know, he would go to the games. He, would, he, he, uh, he was just completely committed to his, sporting, his football team. But he used to say this. He used to say, even though I understand all the rules now, I understand all the rules, I, 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 don't, well, I won't be able to ever fully appreciate what it is to play Australian rules football because I never played it. I, ne- I, never, I never did it. I understand the rules, but I was never on the field. I never got dressed up in all the gear, I never did. Um, well, some time ago I was introduced to American uh, football, very different to Australian rules football. And they wear pads and they wear helmets and, uh, and I still remember being taken to my very first game of American football. And to be honest with you, I had no idea what was happening. Um, it just seemed violent to me in so many ways. And, and, and since then I've spent many, many hours watching American football and uh, it's an incredible game, if you come to understand it, of skill and bravery and of speed. And, uh, uh, and, and, uh, I, but I understand what my father said. I've watched heaps of it. Even my son and I, we watch, we watch American football. Uh, we, we watch it. We watch the big games, Super Bowl and other games. We watch it. But to be honest with you, I don't know what it's like to wear a helmet and pads and run out onto the field. I don't know what that's like. I don't know what it's like to run around that. I don't know what it's like to have someone with a helmet on and pads and who's massive because they're just huge running at you about to hit you. I just don't know what that's like. I don't know what that fear is like. I don't know what it's like to have pads and and a helmet on and to run at someone, to be able to run at them full pelt um, and and, and tackle and hit hit them. I don't know what that's like. Um, I don't don't know what it's like to sack the quarterback. What that means is, is the guy who throws the ball, they try to stop him throwing the ball, the opposition team, and if you can get him, that's a really important thing to stop him before he throws it. I don't know what the thrill of that is like. <laughs> I don't know what the sadness or the disappointment of that is like. Um, I don't know what it's like to score a touchdown. I don't know what that's like. I've seen many touchdowns, but I've never, and I, I don't know what it's like. I love the game, but there's an element of it that I don't know because I've never played, I've never felt, I've never felt the, the, the weight of what you're wearing and the heat of what no doubt is there um, and sometimes when it comes to God and faith many people are like this we, we know what it is to go to church we go to church we, we, we do but for many people they're not sure how to live that life with that spiritual that spiritual encounter that we talked about before that spiritual spirit um, uh, to live a supernatural life, it comes from a place where Jesus is at the center of our life. Have a look at these two circles. The black circles, they, they represent, each circle represents our life. And for some, and those colored shapes represent areas of our life. And for some people, God is part of their life. It's part of the things they do. They go to church, or they acknowledge God, or they believe in God, maybe. Um, And then what God wants in our life is God wants to be the centre of our life. And if we just concentrate on that one circle for a minute, God wants to be the centre centre of our life, where, where everything else is orientated around that. And to get to that place, it's not just words we speak, it's a transformation of who we are. Now, in the Scriptures, we see the apostles go through multiple changes in their life as they come to understand who Jesus is. Have a look at this from Matthew's Gospel. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his apostles or disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, but others Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him and said, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. Um, But my Father in heaven. See, Peter, Simon Peter, has had this encounter with God. Peter has had something revealed in him that's more than just knowledge. He's been with Jesus. He's experienced Jesus. There's something that's transformed him within himself. Another time, Jesus gives a really tough teaching, a really tough teaching. And it says, many who were disciples of Jesus turned away and didn't follow him anymore. And Jesus turns to his Apostles and he says, Do you guys want to go too? And it says in John 6:68, 6, it says this Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom can we go? You have the words of eternal life. We've come to believe and know that you are the holy one of God. See, we have come to know. We 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 haven't just come to believe. You aren't just one of the things we've come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Remember the story of Remember the story in the Bible. It's one of my favourite stories in the Bible. Of after Jesus has risen from the dead, he appears to the apostles, and they're all there, but Thomas is not there. Thomas is not there, and we've all heard about doubting Thomas. And I love Thomas because I feel I feel I can relate to him because he doubts. What does he doubt? He doubts that Jesus has risen, and when he hears that Jesus has risen, he he, he goes, yeah, "I'm not going to believe until I see him with my own eyes and I touch him myself." A week goes by, and Jesus does come into the room, and Thomas is there this time, and Jesus says to him, "Well, come on, you can see me. Come on, touch me." And what is and what does Thomas say to him? In John 20, 28, it says, and Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. My Lord and my God. Thomas doesn't just believe, Thomas knows. Thomas knows. When I go to church on Sunday, that's one of my phrases that I say a couple of times when I'm in church every Sunday. My Lord Lord and my God, my Lord and my God. If we go back to that circle of Jesus in the centre of our life, if we go to that, that place where Jesus is meant to be there, what's the whole point of this is that Jesus invades, Jesus pervades, Jesus is part of every aspect of our life. That in a sense, we've given over our life to Jesus and, and we we don't talk about lords all that much in our in the, in this day and age. Certainly, in the Western world, the lord is in some cultures. Like if you're British, you might talk about lords, but we don't talk about that. But what was a lord in the time of Jesus? A lord was someone who was over you, and so you might have been a servant in a house. Well, the head of that house would have been the lord, but there would have been a, there were higher lords in terms of people who had responsibility in government or in the community or in the city and, and, and it went up and up and up. There were all sorts of lords and a lord was someone who was over you. A lord was someone who could tell you what to do. And so in the time of Jesus, when we hear this language about lord, it had a really rich meaning that sometimes in my world gets missed. And so when we put Jesus in the centre of our life, in the middle of that circus circle where we put Jesus right there at the center of our life and everything else around it, what we're saying to Jesus more than anything else is, is that you are in charge. Your way. See, Lordship says you are in control. Lordship says you are in control. Lordship says I've surrendered to that control. Lordship says, I've surrendered to that control. It isn't isn't about what I want, it's what you want. That's what lordship is all about. Lordship says, I will look to what you want. And then lordship says this. Lordship says, I will become, uh, you will become my heart's desire. See, see, it starts with you're in control. It starts with saying I'm surrendered to that control. And then it and then it moves almost from the mind to the heart, where it says, Lord, Lord, Lordship says, I will look to you. Lordship says, you will become my heart's desire. In other words, that something deeper and deeper and deeper happens in us. That we become completely, totally utterly, absolutely surrounded by God. See, it's only when we have Jesus in our life, where we are completely, utterly and totally surrendered to God, that we will understand what spiritual living is all about. Because in a sense, what happens as we move to this place of Jesus, the Lord of our life, it's almost almost as if God takes our life out of our hands and he goes, okay, I'm in control. I'm going to work in your life. I'm going to allow you to experience me. I'm going to care for you. I'm going to do things in you that are unexplainable. Paul writes about that being a Christian and believing that Jesus rose, he said, it's complete foolishness to the world. But to the Christian, it's the power to come alive and come and to believe. And so, and so, so there's another life that has to be lived, and the way we become an impactor. The way we influence people's lives is by surrendering our life more deeply to Jesus and asking Jesus to be in that place where we have surrendered to him and we say, you are Lord, you are over me. You are the one who can tell me what to do, where to go. And I know the benefit of that is that I will come to life. In John 10.10 10 it says, and this is my favourite verse in the Bible, really my life verse, I came that you may have life and have it to the full. Jesus says, I came that you may have life and have it to the full. And, and, and have that life to the full is just not to live with my own human faculties, mental and physical, emotional, but is to live spiritually and mentally and emotionally uh, Uh, with all of my faculty, it is to be in the presence of God. What does the lordship of Jesus mean? It means Jesus is Lord of everything. It means Jesus is Lord of everything. It means Jesus is Lord of everything. In Psalm 103 verse 19, it says this, The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. The rule of God is over everything, everything that was ever created, every hair on your head, every part of you, every bird of the air, every animal that lives, every creature on the earth, every every rock, stone, water, time, emotion, He's Lord of all. He's Lord of all. He is so Lord of everything. There's nothing, there's nothing at all that Jesus is not Lord of. What does the Lordship of Jesus mean? It is to be completely surrendered to His Lordship. It is to say with all your heart, I want you and I want what you want in me. One of the things that the church teaches us and the scriptures teaches us is that we're all called to be saints. Now, many of us go, oh, gee whiz, I, I don't qualify at all. And, uh, but the truth is, it is. Because what's a saint? Someone, a saint is someone who lives in the presence of God and does what God asks them to do. And for all of us, that's different. I could have shown you places today if, I'd, if, I'd, if we'd had time where I could have shown you about the fact that your sainthood is meant to be lived out in the place where God has put you. Everything, everything that you require to be a saint, you have. Everything. The place where you work, the members of your family, the the study that you've done, the intellect that you have, the country that you live in the specifics of your circumstance, God has given to you and everything you require to be a saint is already in your hands. It is. But it is to surrender to God. It is to say to God, be the Lord, be the saviour of my life exactly where I am. See, what does the lordship of Jesus means? It is seeking after God in all things. It is seeking after God in all things. Not some things, but all things. Some things I have to be honest and say to myself, well, I want to keep to myself. There are some habits they have, some thoughts they have that I just want to keep that are mine. And that's why our faith journey is a journey. That's why we have the chance to come to God and say, God, I want, you to, be, I want to be totally surrendered to you. And if you're anything like me, you take that back and you go, oh, now I want to do what I want to do. It's why growing in faith is, is, is saying less of me, more of you, and that's going to take a long time. God is not looking for perfect. He's looking for you. God is not looking for someone with no mistakes. He's looking for you. God is not looking for the person who stops and says, when I'm ready to give everything to God, I'll then come. No, no, no. God is saying, I'm looking for you now. I'm looking for you now. And so if you feel that you're not ready for God, if you feel that your life's not ready, that's exactly the time to turn to God. What does the lordship of Jesus mean? It it is to live in the expectation of the supernatural. It is to live in the expectation of the supernatural. We aren't called to be ordinary, we're called to be supernatural. We're called to be with God and that isn't an afterlife experience, it's a now experience. It's a now experience. It is to know the power, the blessing and the grace of God in our life now and to be able to walk with Him now and to be able to call upon Him to work in our lives and in the lives of others. Being a Christian is to be able to pray with power. Being a Christian is to be able to say to God, you are mine and I am yours even more and I ask you to do what I can't do myself. So if you're struggling with addictions, if there are things in the privacy of your life that you stop and say to yourself, but you don't know me and you come here every week and you sit in the chairs everywhere, or you're watching with a group of people, or you're watching at home by yourself, and you think to yourself, I have hidden things in me. I have things in me that no one knows. God does, and so you come to God and you say, God be the Lord of my life, take me as I am, and I will surrender to you, and every time I push you away and I take back my life, I'm gonna say I'm sorry, I'm going to say, I'm sorry, and I'm going to put you back. Quite frankly, if I had $1 for every time I've pushed God out of the centre of my life, $1 for every time I've surrendered my life to God and then said, nah, I'll take over from here, I'd be a very, very, very wealthy man. But because God is love and God wants me exactly like this, exactly where I am, I can keep coming back to him and he keeps coming back to me loving me, loving you exactly in the place where you are. So if we're to be an impactor, if we're to be an impactor, what's an impactor? An impactor is someone who proclaims Christ by their life. You don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to, you, you don't have to sign up, but to be a missionary of proclamation. A missionary is someone who goes to do a task. If you go to your work, If you go to your place where you are in your life with everyone around you, an impactor is someone who says, I'm someone who surrendered my life to Jesus. I'm not perfect. I'm frail. I get it wrong so often, but Jesus is the Lord of my life. And with Him on my side, I'm living supernaturally. I'm listening to His voice in my heart. I'm doing the best I can you'll be amazed how your life will affect other people's lives. And the longer you do it as an impactor, you'll go deeper and deeper and deeper into His presence and you will be lost in the unfathomable love and grace of God. God is looking for you today. So how do you say yes to Jesus? How do you become this impactor? It's by today stopping and saying to Jesus, Jesus, be at the centre of my life. Jesus, I'm sorry that I get it wrong so often. I come back to you and I place you in the centre of my life. Be my Lord. I surrender to you. And that prayer that you pray in your heart, that maybe no one else will see, God will see. God will see. And the Bible says, very clearly. And history tells us it's true, that God will come to us. And you will know, you will know, you will know in your heart that He is Jesus and He loves you. Loving Father, I thank You today that You are with us. And Lord God, I pray that as Lord God, we yield our life to You, as we say yes to You, as we surrender to You, Allow our lives to be transformed so that, Lord God, it's not like a sport that we've never played but we know of, but rather, Lord, we're playing on the field of faith. We're experiencing you exactly where we are in our lives. Lord, take our lives, help us, make us strong, and may we love you. And, Father, we make this prayer in the name of Jesus through the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. Sometimes people say to me, you're really passionate about sharing Jesus. And it's true, I am. And the reason I am is because passionate people shared faith with me. People who had encountered Jesus, people who had surrendered their life to Jesus. And because they'd surrendered their life to Jesus, it just rubbed off on me and it changed my life. Today, I wanna ask you, would you help me share Jesus with even more people? That's right. Would you help me share Jesus? Today in our modern world, there are many people not turning up to church, but they are turning on their computers. They are turning on their phones. And we know they listen. So many people say to me, I found you online. I found you and you changed my life and my future. Well, I didn't change it. It was God. And I want to ask you today, would you help me? Would you be part of this? Would you help proclaim Christ. Would you help make Jesus the Lord of people's lives? Would you help me? I want to thank all of our Faith Builder partners. Our Faith Builder partners are people who've gone into our website and have set up a way to give every month in order that we can reach even more people for Christ. Imagine if we could reach your son, your daughter, your mum or dad, your husband, your wife, a friend. Well, the truth is we may not be able to reach them unless you help us reach them. And so I'm asking, would you? Um, you can go here to uh, the gift tab or you can go to this address on the screen. Now, as a, as a sign of my thankfulness to, to you, I want to give you a, an e-book that I wrote called Fighting for Your Promised Land. In all of our lives, we have to strive and fight for those things we want in our lives, whether it be a better marriage, we want to be a better parent, whether we want to be someone who does well at school and and in study, we have to fight for those things. We've got to work at those things. And as we saw from the people of Israel, they went in and took the promised land, but they had to work at getting there and into it. And I want to say this to you. This was a message that came out of my heart and I want to give it to you. And it's just, it's an ebook. It's it's an ebook that you can get. You determine how much you give to support the ministry and I will just send this to you. Uh, as, as just a way of saying thank you you, And I pray it deeply blesses you as you pray through it. Let me pray for you. Loving Father, I thank you today that you're with us. Allow, allow us, Lord Jesus, to share you and so that we would be more surrendered to you in our lives. Allow people because of this message today to experience your presence in their life and to know you more deeply because Lord God, they said yes to you. And Father, we make this prayer in the name of Jesus through the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. I wanna thank all of you for helping me share Christ. I'm just so abundantly grateful. Hey, well, thank you for being with us. I look forward to seeing you next time. And don't forget wherever you are that you can share this message with others. And don't forget that God is never far from you. This program was paid for by the friends and partners of Bruce Downs Catholic Ministries.